Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Gerald Brooks. Thank you so much for joining me for another podcast. Hey, last week I had this remarkable time with a group of leaders. We did our very first roundtable here in Plano. Whenever we do our first one, it's beginning to roll out new material that we've never done before. And last week just went amazing. First of all, we had pastors come in from everywhere, flying in from Canada and then flying in from the Northeast and just every possible directions did they come. And it was just magnificent. But in there, I did a lesson on leading where no one sees. And this lesson was a sequel to the lesson I did at our pastor's conference on takeaways from the crash site. Takeaways from the crash site were was a lesson that dealt with 10 pastors that had stepped down from ministry. Uh, their average age was 44. Uh, their average tenure was between 15 and 20 years. And it was an analysis on what were the things that caused them to have to step down. But after I did that, there was so much uh, response to that lesson that I realized I needed to do another lesson, which was the sequel, and that's uh, Leading Where No One Sees, where I really uh, began to drill down on the kind of things that are necessary to keep us healthy and to keep us focused in our leadership journey. Um, if you've never been to a roundtable, I want to encourage you to come. They're great learning opportunities. I have one coming up in Seattle, and then I have another one coming up in uh, the Orlando area, and then I have one in Albuquerque, and then in the L.A. area. And if you or you have friends that would really like to just be in a growth environment, I invite you to go to my webpage, Gerald Brooks uh, Ministries, and you can sign up there. And so uh, it was great. Hey, today I want to talk to you about uh, common mistakes uh, that leaders make, common mistakes that leaders make. And these are mistakes that leaders need to avoid. Now, I've done what I do for over 40 years, and because of that, you see trend lines out there of things that tend to become the issues that uh, sometimes leaders deal with. And I just want to walk you through some areas that I think uh, we need to be able to uh, just look at and have a serious talk about. Uh, The first one is uh, neglect disguised as success. Neglect disguised as success. Basically, this is someone who is highly successful in one area of their life. They have what I call situational success. And many times in our society, when someone's highly successful in one area of their life, uh, people look at them and, and just acclaim them. I can take you down to uh, the bookstore and pull out books of people in the corporate arena who will just tell you how to succeed. But then if you go beyond the book, you find out they're on their fifth marriage, that their kids won't have anything to do with them, uh, that they have some kind of addictive behavior. And it's that they've succeeded through neglect. They've succeeded by neglecting their family, neglecting their marriage, neglecting their health, neglecting uh, key areas in life. And Jesus talked about this in Luke chapter 11 and verse 42. He says, I've had it with you, you hopeless, you Pharisees, frauds. You keep meticulous account books, tithing on every nickel and dime you get. 
but managed to find loopholes for getting around basic matters of justice and God's love. Careful bookkeeping is commendable, but the basics are required. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, guys, you know what? You're succeeding. Everyone lauds your success, but the reason you're succeeding is that you're neglecting some things. Some of the basic fundamental things that everyone knows should never be neglected. You're neglecting those. So you're achieving success, but you're achieving it through neglect. Now, God has a different plan for us. In fact, if you go over to Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, it's interesting, that great transitional chapter of leadership being handed off from Moses and being handed over uh, to Joshua. And in Joshua 1 verse 8, it says, I need you to think about the word of God. I need you to talk about the word of God. And I need you to do the word of God. And what we know is the first five books of the Bible have now been written, and it's going to be the leadership manual that Joshua is going to lead by, and God's saying, I need you to talk it, I need you to think it, I need you to do it. And what he's saying is, is whatever you you talk and whatever you think, you end up doing. But what's interesting is what he says after there. He says, if you think it, if you talk it, and you do it, then you'll have good success. Now, notice what he didn't say. He didn't say you'll have success. He gives a qualifier. He says you'll have good success. Why? Why did God say that? Because God knows that not all success is good for you. And not all success is good for others. And what God wants to give us is good success. Not success that's situational, but good success. Success that's good for us. Now, let me put it in these terms. There is an adversary. Yes, there is a devil. And he will give you success if it will stop you from fulfilling God's plan and purpose. So he'll give you a bigger home if it will get you consumed with you more than others. He'll give you the best car. He'll give you a big salary. He will make you successful as long as you're not concerned about God's purpose, God's people, and God's plan. If you neglect everything that's important in your life, but God says, that's not the kind of success I want to give you. I want to give you good success, success that is good for you and good for other people. In Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 21, we have an illustration. There once was a rich man, expensively dressed in the latest fashions, wasting his days in conspicuous consumption. A poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, had been dumped on his doorstep. All he lived for was to get a meal from the scraps off the rich man's table. Do you get it? Here's a guy who is rich. And let's be honest, in our society, if someone's wealthy, we tend to think of him as successful. This guy had what a lot of people thought was success. He had more money than other people. He had more income than other people. And he not only had it, but he lived the life because he dressed in such a way that everyone knew that he was rich. He lived in such a way that everyone knew he was rich. He took his richness and and he consumed it. But yet, what was the one thing that was not happening? There was a man at his very front door that just needed some help. This guy wasn't wanting the best clothes. He was just wanting a meal. And yet this guy who was highly successful neglected 
the people right in front of them. And see, that's how many people discover success. They discover it because they neglect. They neglect themselves, they neglect their family, and they neglect other people. But God says, I want you to avoid that kind of success. I want you to have success that's good for you. So as a leader, you've got to look and you have to say, hey, I'm not going to succeed if it's going to involve neglect. I'm going to have good success, success that's good for me and success that is good for others. Another thought, number two, perpetual disappointment. In Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 12, it says, unrelenting disappointment leaves you heart sick. Unrelenting disappointment leaves you heart sick. See, as a leader, you have to watch it. See, leaders are good at spotting what hasn't been done. We walk into our office and we're thinking to ourselves, well, why haven't they done this? We walk into an environment and we think to ourselves, well, why isn't this going on? And see, in the midst of all of that, we're looking around and we're seeing all the things that haven't happened. And see, what unrelenting disappointment is, it is the ability to overlook the good and just see the bad. So in my case, I walk into a service and I'm thinking, well, why aren't they doing this? Why did they do this? Why didn't they do that? Why didn't this occur? Why didn't that occur? And what I'm doing is I'm focusing on everything that's wrong rather than seeing anything that was right. I'm so focused on what didn't happen that I missed what God did that did happen. And see, what the Bible tells us is, is that unrelenting disappointment it will cause your heart to be sick. And I have to be honest with you. I can be this person. One, because I'm highly disciplined. Two, because I have high standards. Three, because I have high expectations. I want us to do things and I want us to do them right. And I want us to get right perpetually. But I can let everything that wasn't right rob me of seeing what was right. And so, as a leader, you have to remember there's always something right that's going on. There's always something good that's going on. And that you don't let the things that aren't right rob you of the joy of what is right. And so, yes, we have to do an analysis. Yes, we want to get better. But yes, we do not want to be perpetually disappointed. And I know leaders like myself that that can be our, our base nature. We just can't do anything right and we lose the ability to see what was right. So perpetual disappointment, it's one of the common mistakes. Number three, forgetting the off button, forgetting that there's a button that you can just press and it's off. Forgetting the off button. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, Jesus says this. He says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and take my yoke upon you, and you shall find rest to your souls. What he was saying, he says, high performance, there has to be times when you downshift. When you begin to uh, walk at a different cadence, and you begin to respond in a different way. 
So with that being said, God wants us to find the off switch. I have a friend, he went over um, to uh, Ireland and Scotland and one of the things that happens is that he was driving around the countryside and he would run into the shepherds. And the shepherds are out there tending their flocks literally as they did in biblical times. And he's watching these animals that uh, are these great, great uh, sheep dogs out there. And they're just keeping these sheep together. But he drove by one house and he saw the sheep in a pen, but he saw the sheep dog in a cage. And he thought to himself, how cruel, why don't they let that sheepdog out? And so he happened to see a shepherd and he says, I I have a question. Why is that dog in a cage? The guy looks at him and he says, well, that's a sheepdog. He says, yeah, I know that dog needs to be out. He says, you don't understand, that's a sheepdog. He says, I get it, that dog needs to be out. He said, no, all a sheepdog knows how to do is to round up sheep. And if I let that dog run free all the time, he's going to round up every sheep on this whole area. They will all be. Why? A sheepdog doesn't know how to be anything but a sheepdog. Well, let me give it to you a little bit different. God gives you an anointing so you can do something. And the anointing is like a uh, gas pedal. Now, here's the thing about a gas pedal. When you put your foot on it, you go. And that's what the anointing, the calling is. It's what God's given you to get you going. But if in your car, all you have is a gas pedal, you know what? You're probably going to wreck. Why? Because you need a break. And if I can put it to you this way, God gives you an anointing so that you can do something, but God gives you wisdom so when you No, not to do something. See, if all you have is the anointing, you're always going to do, but God wants to give you wisdom so you know when to do it. And in our lives, when you're highly anointed, you will always be driven to do something. And that can crush you. So you need wisdom to know how to come unto him and to take all your labors and all your responsibilities to let them down, and to find rest for your soul. So in life, you can have success through neglect. You can have perpetual disappointment. You can forget the off button. Number four, forgetting the why. Forgetting the why. In Isaiah 55 and verse two, it says, why do you spend your money on that which matters not? Other translation says, why do you spend your money on things which have no purpose. See, ministry is about why. Leadership is about why. It is about the why. God gives us a why. What is that why? He doesn't want to see anyone perish. What is that why? He came into this world to seek and to save those that are lost. But what happens is in leadership, When we lead over a period of time, we get caught up in the what, what we're to do. We get caught up in the when, when we are to do it. So the when begins to dictate our actions. Well, I need to be doing something right now. The what begins to control 
our thoughts. So you have the when, which deals with your actions. You have the what that deals with your thoughts. But if all you have is the when and the what, you'll eventually get frustrated because you'll lose sight of the why. See, the when deals with your actions. Well, when do I need to do this? Well, when do I need to get this done? The what deals with your thoughts. Well, this is what we need to do. This is how we need to do it. But the why deals with our heart. And so in life, God doesn't want us to forget the why. Why we do what we do. Why what we do is important. Why what we do makes a difference. Why what we do is really, really there. So forgetting the why. Number five. Sight, which lacks vision. It was Helen Keller who said, what's worse than being blind? And she said, having sight, but lacking vision. See, every leader has blind spots. There are things you don't see. Now, what I can tell you is, leaders see more than others see. Leaders see sooner than others see. And leaders seem further than others see. But I've never met a leader who didn't have blind spots. There are things that they just don't see. And what I can tell you is this, it's the blind spots that get leaders. It's the blind spots that mess up leaders. And many times we don't see our own blind spots. I remember years ago, I was at a light and there was this 18-wheeler next to me and it had this line and it said in there, it says, if you're in this spot, the driver cannot see you. And this was this immense line from one end to the other. It says, the driver cannot see you. And then it had this little caption under it, the bigger the truck, the bigger the blind spot. Well, you know what I found? The bigger the leader, the bigger the blind spot. There are things that leaders do not see. There are things that you don't see that others see. And there are things that they see that maybe you don't want to see. And there are some things in your life that only a few people see. But if you're going to be a leader, you have to have people who help you with your blind spot, who help you to see what you don't see, who help you to see when you can't see, and help you to see when you don't want to see. That is a part of it. You've got to be able to see. Number six, motivation without discipline. Discipline is a long-distance race skill. It is the ability to do something for the long term. I was reading an article several years ago, and it was about an individual who was a pilot on an aircraft carrier. Now, just imagine this. You're in the middle of an ocean that's pitch black. There's no secondary light. And you're going to land on a ship in the middle of the pitch black that during war times has minimal lights on. So you're going to see a speck of light. It was interesting to me that the pilot said, 
there is no degree of motivation that will make up for a lack of discipline. He says, when you're in the middle of an ocean looking at a speck of light, you can talk about being motivated. Yeah, I can do this. Yeah, I can do this. But he said, motivation's not enough. You've got to have discipline. You've been trained with a skill set. And to land a plane at night on a carrier in a dark sea with minimal running lights because that carrier is in a war footing. He said, it's not a motivation that you need. It's discipline. You've got to be able to discipline yourself. See, discipline is the gift that you give yourself. Deadlines are the gifts other people give you when you lack discipline. And what I can tell you is, there's a lot of people who are motivated for a day. But if you're going to live a life, you have to have discipline. Because there will be days when you don't feel it, and you're going to have to have profound discipline. So six mistakes, neglect disguised as success, uh, perpetual disappointment, forgetting the off button, forgetting the why, sight which lacks vision, and motivation without discipline. I think these can help all of us if we'll do an inventory. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, We'll be back in probably another week giving you another lesson. Please go out of your way to let other people know about this. And if you're not a part of uh, my Twitter, uh, every day I'm putting out a leadership thought that can be just a discussion question for you and your team. And uh, you put several of them together. And honestly, you have a leadership lesson because they're basically the breakdown of my leadership lessons. So thank you so much for joining me. Again, go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com. You can get any of my resources. You can sign up to any of the 29 events on leadership I will have going through the rest of the year. And so thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com. 